the Talking Dirty Birds podcast. With your hosts, BloggingDirty.com site experts, Ikai Kahal and Randy Gersey. So get ready to rise up, because it's time to talk dirty. Dirty Birds, that is. Atlanta Falcons fans. Atlanta Falcons fans. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, we don't normally record a podcast on Wednesdays, but today we got something special. So we had to record a special podcast. You're listening to Talking Dirty Birds podcast brought to you by bloggingdirty.com. Bloggingdirty.com, of course, your one-stop shop and source for all things Atlanta Falcons. Check out bloggingdirty.com for updates, news, and information regarding your beloved Dirty Birds. And speaking of Dirty Birds, what a segue into introducing our special guest for today. Folks, in a little while, we're going to bring on Mr. Dirty Bird himself, the originator, the innovator, the true OG of Dirty Birds, former Falcons running back, Mr. Jamal Anderson. I'm stoked. I grew up as a fan of Jamal Anderson. And to say that uh, I'm not excited would be an absolute lie. I'm stoked. So before we bring Jamal Anderson on, however, a couple of in-house notes to take care of. Normally I'm joined by co-site expert of bloggingdirty.com, Mr. Randy Gersey. Randy's not with me today, again, because this was a, a podcast we put together just for Mr. Anderson. But uh, nonetheless, Randy will join me again next week. But without further ado, we're going to bring on board the man himself, okay? This man amassed over 5,000 yards rushing for the Atlanta Falcons, about 500, about 5,300 and something to be exact. Played for the organization from 1994 to 2001. Within that time, I became a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. Folks, without further ado, and we're about to get his thoughts on this 2017 I got a couple of questions for him as it pertains to that 99 Falcons team that made a run to the Super Bowl as well. Folks, without further ado, I introduce to you Mr. Jamal. I want to jump right into it. Well, actually, before I do, I want to take a step back. And I want to take you back to, although it might be a sore spot, I want to take you back to 1999, okay? A year in which we saw our glorious Falcons make reach the Super Bowl. All right, and I will forever remember the moment that uh, you won that game up in Minnesota. But, of course, you fell short, just short of a victory there in the Super Bowl. But the following season, okay, the following season, uh, I believe maybe you played all of, what, two games in the 1999 season, uh, right after that 98 right. Super Bowl run, rather. The question right. to you, man. I wouldn't call it a Super Bowl hangover, okay? I wouldn't call it a hangover because here's the deal. They lost you. They lost their, their best running back that season, you know, following the Super Bowl run. But besides losing you and only having you, I think, for two games that year, 1999, what changed with that team, and why did we not see another Super Bowl run? In fact, we saw a losing season. They didn't even make the playoffs. So you've, you've experienced what it's like to reach, to reach the mountaintop or, or actually – just one step away from it, uh, and then the following season, nothing. So can you can you take us back and share with us what that's like? Because that's actually what this year's Atlanta Falcons team is dealing with now. They were right there at the mountaintop, just a foot, step, uh, a foot short of it, nonetheless. 
and, and now they're, they're struggling, arguably struggling. So if you take us back to that 1998-90 season year, or 99 year rather, and share with us what transpired after that Super Bowl run. Well, it was hard. I mean, um, you know, when we made it to the Super Bowl, I mean, it wasn't, you know, people, you know, we get a lot of credit um, offensively and, of course, you know, having a season where I carried the ball, you know, for NFL record and put up a bunch of numbers and, of course, the dancing. And I was a personality. So, I, you know, and having still – you know, having a presence on TV and all that kind of stuff, I kind of stay out there. But I think a lot of people forget how good our defense was. You know, that season, um, you know, Jesse Tuggle, Chuck Smith, you know, Cornelius Bennett had come over. Keith Brooking was a youngster. Uh, you know, Travis Hall, Shane Jernett, uh, you know, Eugene. I mean, those guys, um, you know, Ray Buchanan. Shoot, Ray Buchanan had a monster season for us. I mean, Ronnie Bradford and Will White, they, I mean, they were balling. That defense led the league in turnovers, and it was one of the top defenses, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the top five defenses with respect to yards. I think we're in the top three, actually. So we were really doing it on both sides of the ball. And the crazy thing about it is it started the year before. So Dan comes in. We come off of the run and shoot in June Jones, which, by the way, love June Jones. Love that offense. Oh, my God, I wish I would have – I wish – I have no regrets, but it would have been nice to to be in that offense for, like, three or four more years because, I mean, I basically what we did was the same thing, um, you know, that Peyton Manning and Edron James and Marvin did. Now, I'm not saying I'm Edron and I didn't play with a Peyton, but, you know, we had guys who were putting up crazy numbers in that offense and I really just started to come along. Like, I didn't start until, let me see, 96. I got drafted in 94. I didn't start until 96. I didn't really start in that offense until halfway through the season. But anyway, it didn't work out. You know, we put up numbers, but it didn't work out. We lost games. Dan Reeves comes in in 97. And I remember those first couple games, he was talking about, you know, breaking up the season in the quarters, you know, every four games and how – the margin of error is and, you know, what great teams have to do to win close games. And, like, I hadn't, you know, we had goals and numbers and stuff like that, but I wasn't really breaking down the game on that level, um, you know, into the, hey, we rush for 120 yards and we hold them to less than, you know, 90 yards. There's a percentage of us winning and things like that. I wasn't aware of any of those things until Reeves came in. And so those first – I got hurt the first game of the season. I had a pretty monster, not monster, but I put up pretty good numbers in June's offense. So there were expectations of me when Dan came in. Like I hurt first game of the season, I nearly broke my ankle in Detroit. We'll never forget it because the first game, I was all this sports illustrated, oh, he's going to lead the league in rushing and he's going to be up there, blah, 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 blah. Detroit almost just killed me, man. <laughs> they tore me up. So the first game of the year, I think um, I had like 18 carries, maybe 17 carries for like 38 yards, something brutal. And I remember Barry Sanders had very similar statistics. Of course, Barry didn't get hurt, and he went on to have a monster season. I think that was the year Barry had 2,000 yards. But I was banged up for several weeks the start of the season. 
But when we started getting getting it together, we we went on a roll. So we started in '97, one and seven. But the second half of that season, we were six and one until we got to Arizona last game of the season, and we lost a heartbreaker to Jake the Snake. Probably part of the reason his folklore still exists is because of us. But we ended up being um, we're going from seven and one until like six and two the second half of the season. But that's the same team, the core of the same group of guys who transferred over to 98. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, they can't, 98 was their season. We really started putting it together the year before. And I wish if we would have, I wish I would have been healthy and we would have put it together in the first half of the season because it, we could have had a good run. Of course, as you asked, like getting hurt, it was tough. I mean, we were not the same offensively. Tony Martin had, to, you know, was allowed to depart. Um, through free agency, he was a huge weapon for us in 98 season. Him and Terrence Mathis, which is crazy, they both averaged over 17 yards a catch. Like, those are monster numbers, you know? Right, absolutely. So, and, and my thing was, um, those two guys were putting up numbers in addition to mine, and then you had Chris Chandler, and then you had O.J. Santiago. Well, when I got hurt in Dallas – you know, so early in the season, I had been such a big part of what we were doing. And, you know, it seemed like we were going to be able to sustain, but then we had another injury. We had another injury. It just was difficult. And it, and it was it was weird for a couple of seasons because I was like, as soon as this team, like the Falcons, were putting it together consistently, like, you know, Michael Vick comes in in 2001, and then, like, as soon as he starts rolling, he gets hurt, you know. And so it was really – funky for a couple of years where I'm like, man, if we can just, you know, if our key players can just stay healthy, and that's been one of the, I mean, you know, in addition to all the other great things that he's done, that's been one fantastic thing about Matt Ryan. He stays on the field. He stay, That guy stays on the field, and, uh, and, you know, again, he makes a ton of plays, but he stays on the field. So that's, that's one thing that hurt us. And I, nobody regrets it more than me that twice in the prime of my career I got hurt because I felt so good in 2001 when I had my second ACL surgery. I mean, I felt so good. I was just coming off a game, a monster game against Carolina where I had a 94-yard touchdown. And I had like 98 yards rushing. I had 200-something yards in offense. I was rolling coming into Arizona. It was like the last game of the month. In fact, it was literally my birthday when I blew out my knee. And I was like, they were like, oh, man. I remember some of the guys were like, you, you ball out today. You'll be player of the month. This is me coming off of, um, you know, being banged up. And so, you know, 99 season I got hurt. 2000 I came back. Yeah, I got rushed for over 1,000 yards, but it wasn't. You know, I barely got there, and we were struggling, and we had a young offense, but I felt good about the energy and the squad and the people we we had on the field in 2001, and I felt like um, we could do some things and we could potentially be a threat. I mean, we had a great camp. I just remember the energy of that, and then I got hurt, and they still went on for a couple of weeks and were playing good football. At one point, I think that team, the team, the team was two, in 2001 was like six and three. And then injury, injury, just couldn't sustain. So it hurts. You know, it is one thing that is, you know, if you if you ask me my greatest regret, I'm like, ah, you know, it's it stunk really 
getting hurt twice in in the prime of my career because there's no telling what could have happened. I mean, I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish, especially since they didn't let me even get on the field for two years, you know. I didn't really even get – I didn't necessarily get a shot to compete for the position until, like, my third year, really, you know. So Right, right. right. And, Jamal, you you brought up a very good point. I want to circle back around, but before I do, uh, you made note of that – just remarkable 1998 season that you had. We're talking about 1,846 rushing yards. Insane. But I want to circle back around because I think you brought up a very good point. And the reason why I think you are basically iconic when it comes to, and I'm going to throw this out there, and Falcons fans you know, could argue with me all day because there's been many Falcons great. I'm going to put you on the rush, Mount Rushmore Falcons players, and I'm going to tell you why. Because not only were you dominant on the field, you brought something to the Falcons organization that arguably they never had, and and even to today they're still struggling to find. And that's identity. You brought an identity to a team. They became the Dirty Birds because of Jamal Anderson. They had an identity. And with an identity, you know, comes wins, comes, comes confidence, comes here comes the city standing behind you doing the Dirty Bird dances, dancing. That they still, right. Julio Jones still does from time to time today. You brought identity, right. and if we're and if we're going into a time machine from nineteen, you know, from nineteen ninety nine, ninety eight to now, okay, this team that we're seeing now in two thousand and seventeen, and Dan Quinn made note of it the other day, finding their identity. You know what's going on with this two thousand and seventeen Falcons team, and what is their identity to you? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, first of all, let me say I appreciate that, um, you know, because sometimes it's weird when uh, I get people in different shows and, and I read you read different things, and sometimes people literally, like, jump from, like, Dion straight to, like, Michael Vick, and I'm like, uh, okay, it's kind of weird, you know what I mean? But, you know, I wasn't a first-round pick. Those guys came in with literally with ticker tape parades. You know, for me, I was a seventh-round pick. They didn't expect me to make the team. But I had never had a losing football season in my entire life until I arrived in Atlanta. And I remember calling my dad, rest in peace now, who was alive then. I remember calling him, like, my first couple weeks of training camp, and I was like, um, I'm either going to change the culture here or I'm going to be done with football. I couldn't – it wasn't – for me, it just – I've never lost and I've never been about losing. So I I had to learn how to deal with certain people who I thought will, took the losses uh, a lot easier than I did because, you know, they it, it infuriated me. And I thought that the, the potential here – uh, particularly once you get to Atlanta and you get entrenched in, uh, you know, the football culture and everything, you see the support and the rabbit support that University of Georgia has from the success. Well, the Falcons had not, uh, you know, there's a solid core group of fans, but they had not experienced that level of success and celebration in and around Atlanta or in Georgia. No, it had not happened. So, so for me, I was like, well, why can't, you know, literally my goal was 
this we should be the this is the professional team we should be the biggest thing here and put the best product that we could possibly put on a field and do things nobody's ever done here before it was like that was the end goal for me period point blank and when we were able to celebrate and bring you know and I, was do, I brought the dirty bird in and everything else it just it fit because it was a nod to me when I created the dance it was a nod to great falcons who had a celebratory history with great plays. You go back to White Shoes, you look at Deion Sanders, and then you go to the Dirty Bird. It's just an evolution of where we should be. It's Atlanta. It's our animal. So everything just fit. And I was very, very happy that I was – and it's one thing I'm most proud of. It's not the 1,800 yards. It's not anything else. It's the fact that we were able to turn things around here and be- make people believe and have the expectation that you should put a winning product on the field. Sorry for that. And, and now, I think you, I think you, the hit, the, I think you hit the nail. Well, no, I was going to say, Jamal, I think you hit the nail right on the head. You know, and, and no knock to primetime, one, one of the best to ever do it. But primetime was primetime, and that was his island. That was, that was Deion Sanders. The Dirty Bird was, you know, of course, the originator, the innovator, Jamal Anderson. But that persona, that identity, took over the whole entire team and city. Yeah. We're talking about but it was you know, it was right. massive. And I and I love you giving right, that but it was perspective about that, or that insight rather. Say it again. No, but that's what it was about. That's the the entire goal was to be able to celebrate um to be able to change the culture and celebrate the team in a way that everybody could be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm one Absolutely. of those like dude, I'm like a I'm like a nerd, man. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, really believe teams that I've ever been part of. I'm literally still friends with the people from those teams. Like, I won a champion, my first championship when I'm nine years old. There's, like, five or six guys on my Facebook that I still talk to and stuff. You just don't – one of the best teams I've ever been a part of is that 98 Falcon team. Some of my very dear friends are from that football team and we are all still close and try to get together if somebody's out of town or if somebody's doing an event you just don't forget those things and that was a special you know a special time that's why I'm like oh it, it makes my teeth hurt when I you know I think about like dang it man and if I wouldn't have I, it's, you gotta, I don't blame myself but like I'm like oh if I wouldn't have got hurt what 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 could have happened what what could it have been? It never is a thing for me because a lot of people get caught up in, oh, man, imagine the numbers. It's never about that. It's, for me, it's about what we could have possibly achieved here first. But, you know, not for Bobby. Well, I think, you set the, I think you set the bar. I think, Jamal, you set the bar in terms of, you know, what this city, the, the, the city of Atlanta is capable of. Uh, I think you set that bar, and I think that it, it certainly can be reached and obtained. My question to you, though, is what is the identity of this 2017 Falcons team? And i got to yeah. tell you, yeah. you know, it's frustrating because we've seen nothing but inconsistency this year. Last year, different story. Inconsistency this year, you know, are they, are they a dominant defense? Are they, you know, Deion Jones just got nominated NFC player uh, of the defensive player of the week. So are they are they a strong defense? Are they the elite juggernaut 2016 offense that they were last year? What's the identity of this team? And let me ask you this: If you so dare to choose, which player or players 
might need to step up to solidify the identity of the Atlanta Falcons? Or is it the players? Is it is it Coach Dan Quinn? Where's the identity of this team? You know, what I'm is not, it? It's hard. You know, I, this, this these guys, um, I, I don't know. It's hard because they really don't have – I mean, obviously, Julio Jones is a star. Matt Ryan's a star. You got two very talented running backs. Um, you know, you have you know Vic Beasley who did outstanding things last year. This, I'm not worried about them. I mean, it's you know they've won anything. This team has won four. What do they want? Four of the last five games, right? Yep, they won. Yep, they won four of their last five games. Okay, so yes, they haven't been consistent. But what I was trying to say to people early on when they were talking about Sark and the offense, I'm like, so it wasn't just that Shanahan left. You know, the top two other offensive coaches there, which kind of, you know, those three formed the brain trust, if you will, with respect to how you're going to attack people and call them plays. Obviously, a lot of it is Shanahan. But his, the top two other assistants were, go- were gone too. So you're not just losing an, an OC and bringing in a new OC. You you also have to fill the spots of those other two spots. And, you know, people have to gel. People have to learn how to communicate. People have to learn how to go through a certain amount of duress. Now, where I wasn't tremendously concerned was because at the end of the day, I still believe, um, you know, to an extent, obviously your coaches – you know, with their scheme and play calling in certain situations can help put you in a better position. But if you have talent, particularly the talent like that the Falcons have, you know, players make plays, okay? Player, your job is to make plays. So there's only so far I'm going to be blaming a coordinator or, oh, we should have ran this in this situation and that would have been better, right? But guess what? Um, pretty talented guy that they went to. And this Julio's talented, or Mohamed Sanu, he's a, he could play. So there's only so far where I'm going to be, like, pointing at the coordinator unless it's really terrible situations. If you look at what the Falcons were doing this year, you know, you had a couple of games, especially early on, where you had some interesting turnovers that Matt Ryan threw, and you were like, whoa, man. And, you know, we had some turnovers in the red zone. Didn't have some injuries from offensive linemen. It's like soon as and then Vic Beasley gets hurt. It's like they were never able to like have everybody out there at the same time and get on the same page and really, um, you know, get get in the flow that you need to. But at some point in time, here I go again. At some point in time, the tremendous amount of talent that you have on the offensive side of the ball, like folks got to make plays. Like, I'm only going to put it on Sark so much because, you know, Matt Ryan is an experienced quarterback and they got to make plays. But I also remember how frustrated people were, tons of fans, if you went on Twitter, people would have put Kyle Shanahan in a Traeger after the first six games in in 2016, okay? So, I mean, it's the same thing, and people want instant gratification and everything, but it's all coming together. Obviously, we would have all felt much better if against a very tough Minnesota Vikings team if the Falcons would have won that game. But guess what? They had chances to win. It wasn't a game that was carried away, 
uh, it was frustrating and, and you know, it was disappointing, but they had chances to win. And this is the lone game they've dropped in the last uh, in the last month. And so here's my thing: you are right where you need to be. Nobody, the Falcons control their own destiny. So like the other day when uh, the Jaguars beat Seattle, I was like, ah. When the Falcons tweeted the Jaguars, like that Julio Jones gift, like basically thanking them for winning, I'm not with all of that, man. Like, fine, that helped the Falcons move to sixth place, but you control your own destiny. Damn thanking another team. Go out and make the plays yourself, okay? When you go home tonight, when you look in the mirror, you go, I got three games left to play. And if I go out here and put my foot in this dude's ass across the line from me, I'm going to be right where I need to be. What more can you ask for? They have a they have a chance to win themselves into the playoffs. There's nothing else you can ask for. You don't need to thank any other team. You don't need this person to beat this person. Go out and handle your business, and it will be done. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I'm coming from. Line up. Monday night, don't play games with the Bucks. Go down there and beat them up. They got nothing to play for anymore. They got guys that are hurt on the defensive side of the ball. They got linemen hurt. At some point in time, NFL players are going to start going, hmm, if they start getting whipped early on, I'm not, I'm not no disrespect to the Bucks, but these are pros. None of these cats want to be in, uh, in, the, in the Tampa Bay sitting in their training room in the offseason because they got an injury late in December in a game that doesn't matter, they're out of the playoffs. Go in there and jump on top of the Bucks, handle your business, and then you get to play the Saints. What better way to finish the season? I cannot think of a better, like, dude, this is it. Everybody's right neck and neck, and guess what? We all get to meet in the middle of the parade ground and see what's up. You know what I mean? This is fantastic. And so I'm like, if, you're right where you need to be. You don't need anybody else. Jamal, if, if, if the Atlanta Falcons or if the University of Utah, if Utah, if they're, not, if they're not calling you now to get you into that locker room to give some type of speech, they're losing out because you got me ready to play, and I'm 5'9", and I can't, tackle, uh, I can't tackle a lick, and you got me ready to rock and roll. Oh, my freaking goodness. <laughs> It's no, it's no wonder, this, man. It's this no is wonder. What, I mean, this is this is what this is what football is about. You know, this is what football is about. This is why, you know, people ask all these questions. You know, we to jump into our team in '98. It's like, oh, how'd you guys do it? We believed from the very first second we knew we were going to play Minnesota that we were going to be there for four quarters. We were like, just watch. No, they've not had a – Minnesota didn't have very many football games that season. They destroyed people. We were not going anywhere. We had to play the 40 freaking Niners three times in a row with a team of five Hall of Famers, okay? So we, we, we had been in dogfights. We had been in dogfights several times that season. We were 14-2, and two, but we fought to be 14-2. and two. They, Some of those games were battles. Now, we got down late in the season when we beat up on a couple of teams, which was fantastic, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, we fought. We fought. We battled. So, like, we, we – and so I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm like, you don't need to thank anybody. You know, put your pads on and run through somebody. 
that's how you, you this is how you're gonna not just make it to the playoffs, but you're gonna win the division because the teams you need to beat are standing right in front of you. Well how much better can this be? Oh my goodness. Atlanta Falcons fans, as you're listening to this, I know if you're like me, you are just pumped and amped and excited for Monday night to get here. And why on earth can you not suit up for us, Jamal Anderson? No disrespect to Tevin Coleman. No disrespect to Devontae Freeman. And hopefully Coleman will be healthy enough to play. But goodness gracious, are you sure you're done? Are you sure you just can't lace up the cleats one more time? (laughs) If if I could do it, if I could do some sort of like three-game deal where I I could make sure they would only – like three games – Cap me at 15 touches, catching or running. All I need is 15. I'm, the first couple, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going right through people, okay? I'm not <laughs> juking. I'm not cutting. I'm mowing people down. That's what I got. I'm, I'm going to run right through them. You know, and in and, and, and all honesty, I see a little bit of that from Devontae Freeman this year. He started the season off by saying, I want to be more disrespectful. Listen. And if that's not Jamal Anderson-esque, yes. I don't know what is. This is what made me nervous when Free, you know, when he got the concussions because I know what type of player he he wants to be. I know how tough he is. Listen, I I love him like I almost gave birth to him. You hear me? Like because he plays with such energy, he runs with such aggression. It's like. Every time he touches the ball, it's like, you can see him like almost gritting his teeth. So I was very encouraged when he came back. And you know it's going to be the physical game. He's been out for two games, the concussion. You know, different people think different ways. What you saw, I mean, why I was like, man, you could tell how much it matters to Devontae Freeman by the way he was running the ball. You see people, again, when you come off those couple of weeks with the concussion, everybody's in your head. You, you know, people talking all over the place. He's been out. He's been in concussion protocol. I mean, we, I've seen it over and over and over again where guys are injured and they come back and it's it's in their head. They're thinking about where they were hurt or maybe they're a little bit more tentative. He was not only attacking; he was going after people, and so it was it was great. And they need you, we needed him. The, the Falcons needed him in the way that he was playing on Sunday, and they're going to need him again. And, and here's the thing. If these guys go do what they're, what they're capable of, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a fight now. It's going to be a fight to the finish. I tweeted it the other day. We're in for – I can't think of a time – I mean, seriously, you know, somebody's got to have to remind me. I cannot think of a time in the past decade where there – the three teams have been this close with this much talent where it, you could easily kind of go, Oof. when you watch Carolina the other day against Minnesota, oh, you know, oh, boy, that that looked like 2016. That looked like 2015, Camden. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. And then, obviously, you know, you know, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but not, not that, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but when 41 went out, that Saints offense changed. Well, guess what? I'm pretty sure 41 will be playing the next time the Falcons play. You know what I mean? So, yep, there, there, are, there are talented people, and obviously Carolina's defense, and you look at you know New Orleans, 
defense has surprised, I would say, 70% of the league this year with the way that they played. But, I mean, it's going to be a battle, man. You, you, you go – you go out in L.A. and you see that young, hungry team in the Rams. You know that they're, you know, tough veterans. And I know they lost Sunday, but you you just know that the Seahawks aren't just going to roll over. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a battle, man. Yep. And then, but but again, the Falcons control their destiny. They're, you don't need anybody or favor from nobody when everything you need to beat is right in front of you. Yep, I absolutely agree, Jamal. And I'm going to tell you this. And uh, again, I know that uh, we had talked this a few days ago, and you were you were traveling and whatnot. And, and thank you for squeezing us into your schedule. But but, but before I before I let you go, I wanted to say I think you're you're right on point. And it sounds to me like, and and, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me like you're saying the Falcons still have a chance, not only to make the playoffs, but to walk away with the division title. Am I am I right in saying that? Absolutely. You don't think they do? I, I, I do. I do all day. I do all yeah. day long. I mean, this, the teams, the teams, teams. which here's the thing, though, which I, I disagree with, If you, but, but again, they won four of the last five. Yes, things are happening. Things are happening. I like the way uh, the young defense is playing. I think that, I mean, Debo is going to be a star in this league. He's continuing to learn. You got young linebackers, um, but you got guys who are making plays um, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Tack is just a kid. I mean, they're just they're still learning and growing, but they're so fast and aggressive. And obviously, true, uh, true, true font being down a little while. Everybody's got injury issues in this league. I mean, this has got to be one of the most tragic years when it comes to injuries that the NFL has seen with respect to losing star players, and I don't know how long. I mean, it's like a, the walking wounded, you know what I mean? Look at Wentz. I mean, look at, you know, Philadelphia's, you know, obviously, again, coming off of that huge game uh, against right. the Rams, and, and they lose their starting quarterback. So, you know, I, I, hey, who knows what's going to happen with the Eagles? I'm just saying there's no question in my mind that the Falcons, of course they can win this division. Of course, everything and everybody that they need to beat, it's not like they're playing AFC opponents here. They're playing the teams that they need to beat in order to secure their destiny. Like, it's right there. Or, you know, it's, it's right there. So you, you win these games, and these guys end up being 11-5. and five, They win the division. It is a wrap. They will win the division. 11 and 5, and, and we're marching on. And they look just like where they were. Who they oh, This is where things started to kind of, of – offensively they were more prolific. Offensively they were more prolific. But there were frustrating moments last year, and then they went on that roll late in the season where they just started beating people up. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. You're right. Anything like that. I don't think we're going to see anything like that. Winning the games and doing what you need to do. I think the defense is better than, than they were last year. Um, the guys have a better understanding of what Quinn is trying to do. It, it will be interesting, but they got no excuse, man. That's my point. If they do it, fantastic. It was right in front of you. If you don't do it, you hey, if you had the opportunity. The opportunities were, were there, you know? The opportunity is there for sure. I agree with you 110%. 
Uh, Jamal, you're amazing, man. My goodness, I'm ready to pat it. I'm ready to put my pads on, and I haven't played since high school. And there's, I'm going to get ran over. But um, so blessed to have you on today, man. And I love the insight. I think the highlight for me was that insight into a conversation you had with your dad, um, you know, uh, regarding you wanting to change the culture there in the Falcons organization. I love that little insight that you gave us. Uh, I thought that was truly special that you, you, you shed some light on that conversation. So to me, that really stood out. But uh, before I let you go, I want to take the time to tell you this. As a change fan of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I think it was your second year in the league, uh, 1995, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see here. I'm gonna test, I'm gonna test your your Falcons history knowledge. See if you recall some of your teammates, because I was, uh, I had, a, we had a family friend that played for the Falcons at the time. He played, he was a special teamer for you. Uh, I think he was like a second string or third string safety. His name was Rich Miano. Do you remember Rich? <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you, I don't know anybody who's ever met Rich Miano where he, you can forget Rich Miano. <laughs> well, Rich was a family, and he still is. I just saw him this summer at my wedding uh, in Hawaii. But I would go into the Falcons locker room, man, and it was you guys. It was, uh, you know, it was Bobby A. Bear was the backup quarterback. So I used to hang out with Bobby. Uh, Eric Metcalf. I know you remember Eric. You guys had him for a year or two. Fantastic. I know you remember Eric Metcalf. Fantastic. Of course, Jesse Tuggle. But, man, those were the days. And, no, we were not winning championships then. But, my goodness, that team uh, that team was something yeah. else. I love that team. Yeah. I love that team. It was a good group of guys. It really was a good group of guys. For sure. Yeah, it's true. Jamal, I want to thank you for your time, man, because I know you're extremely busy and you're being pulled in every which direction. But um, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we appreciate it. Let's see what these Atlanta Falcons can do uh, over the next three games. Right. Or, you know what, since I have you uh, on the show now, I won't say Falcons. I'll say Dirty Birds. Let's see what these Dirty Birds can Dirty do over the birds. next three games. And Jamal, again, man, you are the sure. man on my, on my Falcons, Mount Rushmore, and we appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure. I um, look forward to hanging with you again. And, um, you know, we are all on Saturday, folks. Play to win, so check us out Saturday morning. We'll be breaking all this stuff down again. But we'll get together again. We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks, and we'll get together again and revisit what happened with the Dirty Birds. I appreciate it, man. You guys take care. All the best. All right, Jamal. Okay, folks, that was it for this uh this podcast, that was it for the Talking Dirty Birds podcast. Again, my name is Ikaika. Go to bloggingdirty.com for all things Falcons, and uh, we will see you again soon. See you later, Falcons fans.